0: friends. Welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger and producer advocate. Sometimes it's the quiet ones you must look out for, and that was absolutely the case when it came to the 2022 Cheesemonger Invitational in San Francisco. This year's winner was Sam Rollins from Portland, Oregon, and outside of the Oregon cheese world, his voice has been relatively quiet. We remedy that with this in-depth conversation. Listen in as I chat with Sam about his big win, the Oregon food scene, and finding your passion in unexpected places.
1: Well, my name is Sam Rollins, and I am really happy to be on this podcast with you. Um, I'm such a big fan of everything you do, um, both in podcast land and outside of it, in cheese world in general. Um, I feel like I've known you for some time now. I used to work at a shop in Eugene, and we would kind of like cross paths tangentially here and there. Um, And that shop was the first kind of cheese job that I had. Um, Started there pretty much right out of college. I went to school at U of O. And um, when I graduated from college, I went and worked in a bakery for probably about nine months. Um, My parents had a bakery when I was growing up and up until like my mid twenties, I guess. So I went and worked for them and um, learned how to bake bread which was amazing. Bread is like one of my favorite things in the world. Um, it, it all, it all coalesces the fermentation, you know, exactly. Yeah. And it was that really slow traditional process of, you know, it takes two days for the, um, Levan to, you know, do its thing. And then you make all the bread by hand. And I really loved all of it, except you had to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and you were done it you know, one o'clock and then you had your whole day in front of you, but you were just exhausted and couldn't do anything. So I did that for like nine months. And then I actually went randomly and like hitchhiked through South America for like four months and just kind of did something different. I went to school for Spanish and French and Italian and um, history. Um, And so it was kind of something that I thought might like open up the next big thing for me, you know, because going there and speaking Spanish every day and there's all of the like, just I did a lot of Latin American studies kind of oriented history um, as part of my major. And so it was, you know, a direction that I thought I might go in and that I would meet somebody and they would be like, oh, we're doing this thing. You should do this thing with us. And the whole time I was there, I, you know, I loved it. I had an amazing experience and like hitchhiking, you just meet and talk to so many people and like everything about it was super cool. But my one takeaway from it was like food, the food everywhere you go is like, especially when you're traveling around with strangers and you're in the car with strangers like what I talked about and what they talked about and what we were all excited about was either what we just ate or what we were just about to eat and like the you know the dishes that are native to that place and what kind of food people eat here and why it's better over here and all of that kind of thing and that really played into just my my childhood i guess too because my parents had a restaurant and a bakery like i mentioned but the restaurant was the um kind of the focus of everything they did and it was a real like passion project for them in like the deepest way it was all they did with their lives and they had an organic garden they um just my mom was the only person in the kitchen my dad was the only person in the restaurant and they just made amazing food and offered amazing hospitality and i was always like asleep under the dining room table like I don't know. It was it was like a very normal thing for me, but also just such a weird, <laughs> I guess, thing for a childhood um, to just be like in that realm of food and service and like fancy, very expensive wine glasses all the time. Um, and I mean, all their life, both my parents respectively, was always all about great food and not necessarily hoity-toity fancy food, but just great food in the really basic sense of bringing happiness and healthiness to people. And so when I was kind of just traveling around and talking to people, that really resonated with me the most. I was like, I can't really see myself doing anything, but working with food in some capacity or another, this is really like means the most to me. So after I came back to the U.S., um, I went back to Eugene because I had no money at that point. And a friend of mine had an open closet. It was like a big walk-in closet. And she's like, you can stay here. Um, I don't have enough clothes to put in this giant walk-in closet. So I found like a mattress and I slept on the floor in her closet for like a year while I kind of got my feet back under me. Um, And I found a job at a really great um, kind of, restaurant um like an emblematic restaurant I guess in Eugene called uh, Marche um, which does really kind of classic bistro fare but um, they have a little coffee shop and deli and specialty food store that's kind of attached to Marche which is where I started working just as a barista as one does getting out of college um and I'd been working there for maybe like six months or something. They had a really cool guy whose job was managing the wine and the specialty foods. And one day I don't know the story. I have no idea what happened, but he came to work and, um, like packed up his bag and walked out and I'm sure there's drama. I have no idea what the drama was, but all of a sudden there was no specialty foods manager. And, um, somebody came in and they're like, Hey, does anybody want to like start? cutting and wrapping the cheese. Cause, um, we can talk about the wine over here, but, uh, that's kind of its own thing. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. Um, and so I started just kind of taking care of the cheese and I had no idea what I was doing. And because the guy who had been there left, there was not really anyone there to show me. And that could have been terrible. It was terrible for a little while, not for me, but just for the sales in the store. Um, but the business was just incredibly generous in you know, letting me just do it and learn on the job and um, letting me just make mistakes and learn from them and grow from them. And um, so I just kept doing it. And I ended up being there for, I think, six years, over the course of which time we actually opened up it, um, kind of, I think, tripled the size of the specialty foods department. Um, And again, like I had never opened up a new store or like expanded a store. So we went from having like a tiny little shelf with three or a tiny little rack with three shelves with like some olive oils and some jams to having like, I'm bad at numbers, but many, many square feet of shelves with lots of olive oils and, you know, things from all over the world that's. Again, they were really generous. They were just like, buy what you think will sell. And so I just brought in, you know, things that I was interested in and had the latitude to just try things and, you know, sample them for myself. I would read about cheese in a book and I'd be like, wow, that cheese sounds really cool. Thanks, Max McCallman. And then I would just, you know, scour all of the catalogs until I could find that cheese and I would order it and bring it in. And sometimes it didn't live up to, you know, what it was like in the 80s or whenever he wrote that book. And sometimes it was just like, you know, a, a life changing experience, just, you know, a transformative experience right there. Um, and it was really fun. I had a great experience doing that. It was just, you know, this really cool organic process of digging into the culture and the history and just like the context for. These things that have, you know, a lot of people kind of recognize the value of something that tastes good, or I hope they do. It's my job to, I don't know, maybe help them with that. But then just the value of the context that that tasty thing lives in and like a good olive oil or a good cheese in isolation is great. But then when you know like the thousand years of history and the the people and the landscape and the climate and the animals that all all go to like creating that amazing tasty thing, it just takes it to this whole new level. And then from Eugene, um, well, I guess when I was in Eugene I bought a lot of cheese from a really cool distributor in Portland called Cowbell and it was always just a couple people and they were obviously really nerdy about cheese and brought in like the really cool cool stuff and um at a certain point my girlfriend and I decided time for a new bigger city try something new and I reached out to Calbo and said hey can I get a job you have a job will you hire me can I work for you he's like no we don't have any job openings right now there's not really anything uh, I can offer to you but uh uh thanks for asking. So we moved to Portland um and I got a job at a great grocery store up here called Zupan's that is very fancy pants and um has a very high standard for doing a lot of things and a lot of like I don't know. They have a book of Protocols for how to cut and wrap cheese, and that was amazing for me too. Because the whole time I'd been doing stuff and getting really confident and learning, you know, everything all on my own, it turns out you don't always figure it out the right way when you're doing it all on your own. I was like, "Whoa! I didn't know you're supposed to do that. I've been doing that wrong for like six years." Um, so I think yeah that was a really fun experience too like just being in an environment where it's not just about like this cheese is amazing let me tell you all about the you know the the guy who makes it in rural Spain and what his uh, what breed of sheep he uses and like this is the process for making this cheese it's also about really respecting the way that cheese needs to be cut and that cheese needs to be, you know, carefully wrapped and displayed and merchandised and doing a lot of things to kind of bring in the customer to start that conversation um, is really cool too. And I think that's just like fascinating in and of itself, like just retail. I don't know. Like I love makers and I, my whole My whole ethos, like why I get up every morning is I want to help and promote and advocate for people who make amazing things. But it's so much more fun for me personally to like be in front of the customer and be the person who gives somebody a taste and you can see their face like just something clicks and they're like, wow, that's so amazing. Um it's it's really cool. Um, so I did that for like a year. And I managed to um, have the good fortune to go to CMI um, while I was at Zupans. So this would have been 2020 and had such a good time competing there and like met so many amazing people. And again, it was this thing where it's like just your horizons get opened up, your eyes get opened up when you meet the cheesemakers from all over the world, like people travel from everywhere to go to CMI to participate and to meet each other and just the joy, but also the amount of experience and the amount of just depth of knowledge gathered in one room was really inspiring and really um, kind of gave me more motivation to just dig in even further. Like, it's really fun when you go into something a little bit more, you're like, I like this. And then you go into it more and you're like, wow, I love this. And then you go into it more and you're like, wow, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, so then after that COVID happened, um, and that was really weird, obviously, but also just working at a grocery store during COVID was quite the experience. I can't even imagine, honestly. Yeah. It was, um, strange, strange, strange. Um, but one of the things that happened at that time was cowbell, which is one of the things that I, you know, one of the draws to Portland was to try to work for cowbell. He ended up, um, having to let go most of his staff because, um, their main driver as a wholesale business had been go, uh, delivering to restaurants. And all of a sudden, all the restaurants were closed. Um, and it was really like um, at Zupan's, where I worked the grocery store, we bought cheese from Cowbell too. And I'd see Greg, the owner of the business, he was doing everything himself and he was coming in and doing deliveries. And I could just see like he was working like 20 hours a day, just desperately trying to keep the business going. And I, you know wasn't friends with him or anything, but I'd had a working relationship with him for four or five years. I was like, I don't want to see this business go under. Can I just like volunteer in my off time and like help you take care of some cheese or something? Or like, what can I do to help you get through this? Um, and so I did that for a couple of weeks and then he was like, Hey, you want a job? Like this seems, this seems like it'll work out. And so I've been working there ever since, like in the last two years, I guess. And it's a really special place. It's really just a small, funky, like, I don't even know how, it's, it's I, my conception of a distributor and how Cowbell operates are really different. Like just the amount of care for tradition and the passion for you know, bringing in the best of something Rather than something that's going to sell, is um, pretty amazing. Just to be, you know, to be able to participate in that, and just like every box we get in from a producer or from an exporter, we open up the box, and you know, we don't necessarily do affinage, but we're um, really actively trying to take care of the cheese in. Our cheese cave until it goes out the door. Um, and so I get to, again, just see a whole new facet of the cheese business, um, holding whole wheels of cheese and caressing them and brushing them. And, uh, you know, just all of that stuff is just magical. It like gives me the shivers every time I do it. Um, and then Kelbel also has a little retail shop that is also really funky and weird. And it's basically just in a tiny garage. Um, and it's in the industrial part of Portland and, um, it's usually just me working in the shop on like the weekends and then other wholesale people do the shop. You know, there's just three of us, there's Xander and Ian and me, and then Colin and Henry do the driving and they're all amazing and passionate about cheese. Um, and so we all just kind of take turns, um, working in the retail shop and getting some customer face-to-face and talking to people. And that's like not even work for me. It's just pure joy. Like I I always tell people it's like three days of really fun work, working wholesale and doing sales. And then the weekends are just like, that's what I want to do on my weekends anyway. It's just work in a shop that only sells great cheese and share that with people.
0: You just gave me a whole lot and I loved every second (laughs) of it. Like I, um, There's a lot to unpack there. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but I also hitchhiked around Well, I hitchhiked around the U S for two years. That's how I left my hometown and ended up in Chicago. Um, So I love that. But I also love that you had grown up around food and in the hospitality industry and the restaurant industry, but it took you leaving and going and traveling and finding ways of connecting with other people for you to connect back to that. Um, Cause that's, you know, when you're around it all the time, it gets very like, ah, whatever, you know, sometimes you have to take yourself out of a different
1: situation to like, really see what you're doing. Um, I feel really like, um, the whole time I was growing up, all my mom wanted to do was teach me how to cook. Like it was her dearest hope in life was for me to like learn from her. And because I was like a snotty kid and then a bratty teenager, I was always like, no, I love your food. You're an amazing cook. I love eating your dinner every night, but I don't want to learn how to cook. For you What a, what a dumbass. But also at the same time you picked an industry that's still in food, but you don't have to cook.
0: <laughs> that's why I am in the cheese industry. Cause I can cook. I just, it's not like the thing I love, you know, I like baking. I love that, but I also do not like waking up super early in the morning. So working at a bakery never could have been in my cards,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but Yeah. Um, I also love that you had to figure out cheese on your own, but then you also still got the experience of a more regimented, like, this is how we do things. Um, I just, I love that dichotomy and how much you talk about it in such a fun way that like, it didn't sound like you resented having the rules placed on you in any way that it felt like it it still was like all about the learning, which I love that. That's, that's the theme that I heard through all of that was you were excited to learn.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think there's so much value, like so many great cheesemongers come through like Whole Foods or something, you know, one of those, um, stores where they have a lot of, of kind of, uh, what do you call it in bowling? Like the safety, the safety rails, um, (laughs) the bumpers, the bumpers, um, there's kind of, You know, you have your lane and you have to stay in your lane, but the people who get really into it, like it's such a great foundation for what's next. Like you really do get an appreciation for cheese and for um, taking care of and handling and representing cheese in a really positive way.
0: Yeah, sometimes it can also be a hindrance though because this is, you know, the frame of mind of like, well, this is how we do things instead of like being open to like seeing how other people do things or cuz everybody has their own way of doing yeah. it. I know I've had to give up some of that frame of mind too working in other places and like this is how you do things, but this is how they do things. I can agree or not doesn't matter (laughs) this is just how it is
1: (laughs) yeah totally yeah I mean I've definitely come across some people who work in that kind of grocery environment who are very just kind of like the the blinders are on a little bit and they're like no we bring in this cheese we can't bring in that cheese like this is the cheese that this is the cheddar we sell um and I think that's uh yeah there's plenty of that but I've also met plenty of the other as well yeah yeah
0: I just like that you have, you've had both and you can see the value in both. And that's an amazing, amazing way
1: to look at life, I guess. There's nothing like, I I love going to other places that sell cheese and just kind of being a little bit like taking a step back and watching people interact at the cheese counter. And you can tell some people, they just have that spark in their eye. And whether it's like, a Murray's and a Fred Meyer, or it's like a really fancy cheese department. Some people just have that knack for, you know, walking up to the customer and making them feel really good about learning something new and about like trying a cheese that they've never had before, which I mean, I'm Portland is really a special place because people are so into food here. And there are a lot of people you know, talking to mongers from other parts of the country, it seems like in my limited experience, there's a really high level of interest and a high level of experience with cheese that we're pretty lucky to have here. Um, so maybe the conversation is a little bit different, but, you know, the there's always a step up from what people have had and know they love. Like, if you know you love a cheese as a customer, that's just like Uh, a jumping off place to like what's next what else can we can we talk about and taste together that you're also going to like realize you love and then what's next
0: after that so you mentioned CMI so I would love to talk about that since um you are our reigning champion yeah 2022 (laughs) San Francisco winner here so this was the second time you competed
1: yeah, this was the second time. So the first time was 2020. It was like January of 2020. And it was basically the last fun thing I did before COVID and lots and lots of people, probably one of them there had COVID and none of us knew it, but a um, uh, sad story. Um, but um, yeah, then it was really just put your head down and try and get through it for a couple of years um, of, you know, who knows what the next day is going to hold. And then CMI 2022, which was in March of this year was like the first fun thing that I did after COVID. And it was so amazing. Like it was just my, my heart was so full the whole time because it was people who I had seen and met and like talked to briefly in 2020, seeing them again and like they made it through it and it was really hard on everybody. And a lot of people like really changed what they do and how they do it, whether they go back to the old way or not. Um, There was a lot of um, movement and pivoting and struggle. And so getting to just like be in a room that was so supportive and everybody's there to just like help each other and talk to each other. And, you know, we're all fighting the same battle, so to speak, um, just felt so amazing. And yeah, and getting to meet new people and uh, getting to hear their stories and everything. It was, it was just really magical. It did.
0: The whole weekend felt just like a big cheese hug. And that's what we all needed, I think, at at this point. So yeah. yeah, definitely. So in 2020, you got on stage. You were in the top six, and then obviously this year you won. I would love to hear any thoughts you have about like how you approached the first time and how you approached this time and how it changed, um, and what led you kind of to that win.
1: Yeah. Well, let's see. I have a terrible memory. I'm just going to put this out there right <laughs> now. So asking me to like tell stories from two plus years ago. This is your general, really general
0: feelings. How about that? General so, feelings.
1: <laughs> um, so I was assigned Hollerhawker as my cheese for the perfect bite and the perfect plate and the perfect beverage pairing in 2020. So basically job done, like Hollerhocker just does all the work for you. Um, so, I mean, I just, worked really hard, but I was trying to have fun with it the whole time. I did these little, like, not quite cartoons, but all of my signs for everything, for the, for the plates and everything were little, like, jokes. Um, and I tried to keep it really light um, and have fun with it. And that was kind of how I went into the whole process, both the learning element of it, like the education day and everything, um, just ask a lot of questions and meet people and um, just talk to everyone I can and make cheesy jokes with everybody. And then, um, yeah, it was, like I said, it was just such a cool experience. And then, you know, something that I really don't get to do very often in my day to day cheese life is just, you know, sit down with a piece of holler hocker and a notepad and say, what, tastes really good with this what can I do for a composed plate that's going to be amazing like there are things that are kind of tried and true and trusted that I've been doing for you know four or five years that maybe you're always like oh fig jam easy done or like honey blue cheese done um but and I mean that gets you so far they're tried and true for a reason but like really getting into it and getting weird with it and trying to find something that nobody else has done um is just in and of itself like worth the whole experience I think to think about flavor and think about texture and think about like again the context in which the cheese was made and like what is the history of that cheese and what other things have a similar history um was just super cool. Um, and so I had a lot of fun, like putting together the cocktail. I did a little, like, um, it was cognac and sherry and some black walnut bitters and pear syrup. And it was amazing. I drink that cocktail, like all the time now it's like my signature cocktail. And it took so many, I bought a ridiculous amount of bottles of different things. I spent so much money, my advice to anybody, doing cmi for the first time is um don't pick cognac for your um your perfect beverage pairing because you're going to have a lot of bottles of things on your shelf um and i'm not like a heavy drinker so i still have a lot of those bottles on my shelf but um in the end i came up with something that i really liked um and yeah it was really surprising i was like completely aghast when i made it up on the stage i was like in the back, like talking to my friends, I'd taken off all of my, my cheese gear and I was just hanging out and then came up on stage and Adam was like, quick, what's your favorite cheese memory? You have one minute, go. And I was like, I don't know what to say here at all. I'm so unprepared for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sarah Munley from Portland won that year and she's just such a cool person. She's like one of my favorite people in Portland. And then I was like, so ready to just jump right in and compete again the next year, but then COVID. So the first next opportunity was uh, this year. And I kind of went into it with the same, you know, the same target to just have fun and talk to people and um, see what everybody else does. You know, it's 30 people or 40 people who are all doing that same thing that I was doing of like sitting down and getting really deep and weird with, a specific cheese and everybody comes up with such cool things my one regret is that i don't have time on that last day to go around and like write down every single pairing that every single person does cuz they're all geniuses like there's there's so many just like mind blowing things that people do so yeah so i did it this year and there was another it was a really cool cadre of people from portland who were able to come i think there were four of us from portland and then courtney from seattle who was at the 2022 um so we got to be on stage together then she um
0: two time is... second place winner san francisco yeah i know <laughs> i
1: i told her this too but i was like rooting for her so hard this year like she she was doing such creative inventive things um and her bite was stellar
0: so good um i just love that the pacific northwest showed up for the last two san francisco ones where we had multiple people in the top and just really showing out that like pacific northwest has some darn good cheesemongers i'll tell you what
1: i know i don't know if i'm justified in this like my small cheese world is pretty like anchored to portland but I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder where I feel like all the cool cheese stuff is always in New York. And like, I never get, I never get to do any cool cheese stuff and I never get to meet, I'm, I'm totally being facetious right now, but um, like, I never get to meet any cool cheese people because they all live in New York city or something. And it's like, no, that's not true. Like we can, we can do this here we've got plenty of, amazing people here and we've got some pretty cool cheese events and like just the food world in Portland and the Pacific Northwest, like Seattle very much. So like just the, the culinary world is pretty stellar. That's uh, one of the things that I love about the
0: cheese industry because it depends on each state, but everyone pretty much has those, like, you know, Vermont has Jasper Hill and like, but they also have lazy lady farms that doesn't ever make it out of Vermont. And we have that in Oregon too, in Washington, where we have like, obviously beachers and rogue that do make it to these far flung places. But then there's also things that you will only ever be able to get by coming and visiting. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you will ever get anywhere else. And I, that's one of my favorite things about traveling is getting to find all of those special little things that you can't find anywhere else. So you mentioned something about coming from Eugene and then moving into Portland. I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on like the Southern Oregon versus like the Portland area, the differences in, I mean, you kind of mentioned it with like Portland definitely has a more knowledgeable uh, food base in terms of like your consumers have a heightened level of knowledge. Um, But I'd like to hear your thoughts on just like Southern Oregon cheese scene
1: yeah um well i don't know i always feel really uncomfortable making like broad statements about a thing or a place because i only have my experience to to back up that statement and my experience is limited and can't speak for a lot of other perspectives and a lot of other people in different places um so with that with that being noted um my experience, like I grew up in southern southern Oregon in Ashland. That's where my parents had their restaurants. Um, and then moved to Eugene and then moved to Portland. So going increasingly further north, I'll be in Seattle, Seattle pretty soon, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> well, welcome but, you um, with open arms. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um there's in all of those places, regardless of you know of income level let's say there's a lot of appreciation for things that come from that place and there's a lot of work being done whether it's by farmers markets or by food banks or whatever to um, get everybody access to locally grown vegetables um, locally raised meats lots and lots of wine Um, is made in Oregon that's like world famous and cheese from across the state has kind of, you know, been in the same, let's say in the wake of the wine culture here, like there's always cheese popping up um, where there are vineyards in my experience again. Um, And so I think that whether or not people are really experienced with good cheese, whether they're coming from a past of, you know, growing up eating cheese. There's a lot of people who value the fact that cheese has such a, um, like it can be tied into the local agricultural scene. And then from there, maybe they'll start exploring things that are made further afield. Um, but there's always, you know, if Mike, Um, Like being at the farmer's market and meeting and talking to local cheesemakers and everybody who comes up is so curious and wants to talk to them and wants to try their cheese and maybe has never bought like a $12 piece of cheese before, but it has value to a lot of people um, as it should. Um, And so I guess that's on one hand how I see the cheese scene in Oregon but also I guess just on the wine side of things people are really interested and knowledgeable about wine um, culturally here in Oregon for a lot of people and so it's really easy to then kind of expand that conversation to cheese because they go hand in hand for so many people a lot of the time and then just in the last 20 years with the beer scene too like the the artisan beer movement has really um opened a lot of doors to the artisan cheese movement too. Um, And yeah, one of the fun things in Eugene that I was able to do was we did cheese classes like once every three weeks or so. Um, And it was really small, like 12 people at a time. And we were all just kind of gathered around a table and talking about cheese. And I talked way too much and gave everybody way too much cheese. And everybody was like, so ready to leave two hours later but in the meantime it was a lot of fun (laughs) um and just kind of keeping that conversation going and you start with you know there's kind of the trajectory of a cheese plate where you start with something young and fresh that was just been made and at the end of the class you've got something really funky and you know maybe really aged or really complex and for a lot of people, I think learning about cheese kind of follows that trajectory, maybe too, where you start with something really innocuous, and you end up with something that at the beginning, you might not have liked at all. But then by the end, you're so into.
0: Yeah, I growing up in Oregon, we were very poor, but we still ate locally for most things. I mean, my one of my first jobs when I was like, six or seven was up at the strawberry farm where we were out picking strawberries and I got like a dollar a flat. I was terrible at it, terrible, (laughs) but I did get like $1 and it was like, you know, and also a face full of strawberries. Um, but it was just so common for us to, um, you know, Walla Walla onions and like Hermiston watermelons. It was always such a like thing that like, Oh, these are just our local products. So it was always really fun watching people move into Oregon and be like, Oh my gosh, this is like so much is everywhere. And it's kind of turned into a marketing campaign at this point, but I appreciate it because eating locally is such a huge thing. It is important. Mm -hmm. And so to see people actively engage with their local food community is always a plus. Um, But it's always been fun watching people be like, oh yeah, all these, the Hood River strawberries are the best. They truly are. (laughs) and you're only going to get them for like a week out of the summer so good luck finding them
1: yeah and I mean I think it's really important to keep cheese like I get really nerdy about cheese and it's all I do every day but it's also just a piece of a much larger um, picture and like food and um, food systems overall are just so important and need to be celebrated and like local strawberries are like every bit as important as local cheese. Like you have to have those amazing local strawberries and you have to celebrate them. Like there are so many things that cheese has so much like history and culture and like the chemistry of it and the the aesthetics of it and the flavors of it. There's all of this stuff that keeps me very busy, but I would love to be like a produce monger Or, you know, olive oil has, you know, kind of a lot of the similar things that cheese does. I would love to be an olive oil monger. Um, I'm a huge chocoholic, like (laughs) chocolate you can get super nerdy about. It's another fermented thing that like has all of these just like scent terroir. And, um, you know, every well-made chocolate bar is different from every other well-made chocolate bar and comes from a very specific place with a very specific culture and history of chocolates and there's a good way to make chocolate and there's a terrible way to make chocolate and there's a good way to make olive oil and there's a terrible way to make olive oil and there's a good way to like grow produce and there are horrendously bad ways of growing produce and you know the fact that I market cheese I guess or that my messaging is around cheese on a day-to-day basis, I think it's really important to keep it within that context of like when, what you say about what makes a cheese valuable and worthwhile and worth celebrating should apply pretty much equally to everything else that you're putting into your body that, you know, good bread is an amazing thing that's been made for thousands of years, but so few people actually get to like seek out good bread all the time. Um, So I don't know. That's my rant. <laughs> I love it.
0: Um, so you're working at cowbell. Like, what do you see for Sam's future? Like what, what is your ideal? What's going on? What's up next?
1: Ooh, well, I don't know. I feel like we're still in a world where you can't plan for <laughs> yeah. Other people do. I, I can't plan for my future yet. Like you never know what's going to happen in a month or two months. Like things could go very South, probably will go very South for one reason or another. So nothing too ambitious, kind of just staying the course. I really love, um, Portland and I really love Cowbell. I've got my family at Cowbell for sure. Um, and it's a really just special place to be right now where it's, Pretty, pretty golden and rosy.
0: Um, There's nothing wrong with just really enjoying where you're at at the moment. In fact, I find it to be incredibly important these days, especially. Yeah, yeah.
1: The one thing I think, like my resolution after CMI and getting to meet so many cheesemongers and cheesemakers and everything, I realize more and more, like the one thing I, I talk about cheese all the time and I eat cheese all the time, but I've visited very few cheese makers and i've touched a cow like twice in my life i'm kind of i'm scared of cows they're so big um and like goats they move so fast and they can jump so high in the air and like you never know what a sheep is thinking like what are what's going on in there so like getting more familiar like being less of a city boy and getting out and actually um you know things that i read about in books and see youtube videos of like doing in real life and just, um, getting over my irrational fear of sheep, I think is really important. All right. Well, we're just going to schedule you
0: to come and hang out with me for a while. And I have a spare bedroom. You can come stay with me. you have got a few farms near me that we'll just go visit. We'll go pet some cows. We'll go see some sheep and some goats. I got you. I got you, Sam. Um, I have a few questions that I always end these with. Um, So first one, your current cheese crush. All right,
1: favorite cheese crush.
0: What have you been eating behind the counter that you just can't stop eating
1: or? This is such an easy question. Um, So it's springtime and we get an amazing cheese from Black Sheep Creamery, which is in Chahilis, Washington actually and it's farmstead. They've got their own sheep. It's a really small family operation. And throughout the spring and summer, they make fresh sheep cheese that is just like exactly what it sounds like. We pick it up from the farm the day it's made and break into it that night. Like everybody who works at Cowbell has to like get, get in there right away. And it's just tastes like sunshine, tastes like springtime. Um, it's, it's, so simple and yet just like so there are universes of flavor within it
0: I am a huge proponent of fresh cheeses just in general thus my new butter tattoo and my love of butter anyway (laughs) um but I really believe that like to have a really standout fresh cheese or butter you have to just have the best milk because there's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do to it to like cover up the flaws. So when you just get that first, like fresh cheese, oh, it is very heavenly,
1: heavenly. It's so heavenly. And there's so little like great sheep cheese producers in the U S there's so few and far between that. I just feel really lucky that there's one so close by, like the alternative is getting like a fresh sheep cheese from California or from Spain and still good. Nothing wrong with them at all. They're delicious, but that the experience is just different when it's that fresh and that local and somebody whose name, you know, and whose face, you know. Um, Okay. Next question.
0: Your favorite pairing just in general.
1: Ooh, that's a hard one. I think my favorite simple pairing is formed Dambert with candied cacao nibs just kind of sprinkled on top you get the crunchy you get the salty and creamy and rich and savory from the form d'Ambert, and then a little bit of sweetness a little bit of kind of bitterness from the cacao nibs Ooh, but also roquefort with like a ginger snap cookie there's a company here in portland called bunches and bunches really cool woman who makes like just sauces and baked goods and things like that. And she makes the perfect ginger snack cookie. And that was just like a little piece of roquefort on top is there's nothing better.
0: I love both of those. Yeah. That sounds pretty fantastic. <laughs> um, the last one, your best cheese memory or food memory, like something that just kind of sits with you that like, you know, you turn to when you're thinking about like your nostalgic food memories, (laughs) it could be about eating something in particular or just about a time where food was around.
1: Yeah. Gosh, that's another really hard one. I have so many, so many possibilities, but also I have such a terrible memory (laughs) that I'm probably forgetting like the best one. Um, Honestly, you know, I could come up with something really specific of this one time that I sat and had this one really specific thing, and it was amazing. But what I live for, what I chase every day, is that feeling like you sit down at a dinner table with some people, and maybe you know them really well. Maybe you're just getting to know them, and it's like a little bit cagey, and everybody's just trying to make nice with each other. And then you start eating really good food. And there's this moment of everybody around the table having this exact same experience of God damn, this food is so good. And everybody's drinking their something and everybody's talking and everything just loosens up over the course of eating really good food and sharing something together. And then there's this moment right at the end where all the plates are empty, all the glasses are empty. Everything's like filthy. Everybody's kind of like, satisfied and self-satisfied in an inside way but also really kind of expansive and sharing and open with everybody else and it's just you know communal on a really small scale where everybody feels like everybody's best friend all of a sudden that's that's my cheese memory that's like that's what I want all the time and sometimes it happens and it's just
0: amazing that's perfect. That is honestly the best dragon you could be chasing on a regular basis. <laughs> um, I'm a wild guy. Yeah. Well, I also just love the, the imagery of just like that moment where everybody's shoulders kind of drops and they're like, oh, yeah, this is this food is amazing and i'm with good company and i i totally know that feeling and i've gotten to experience it many times and it is one of the best feelings ever so i mm-hmm. love like that you in, you encapsulated that perfectly thank you so much for joining me today and i am so proud as as a another pacific northwesterner and someone who's gotten to kind of like walk alongside your career for the last few years, like to see you up on stage and taking taking the trophy. I was so proud of you. So
1: well thank you so much. And thanks for having me on. I'm really honored to be on your wonderful podcast.
0: I can't tell you how happy it makes me that the last two San Francisco CMIs had a plethora of Pacific Northwest mongers in the top ranks. I've long known that we have some of the best in the business, and this just proves it to everyone else out there. Thanks, Sam, for joining me on this Pacific Northwest cheese journey. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. Follow along on my cheesy adventures at Instagram, Facebook, or get more of this conversation at Patreon. My website is also a great hub for all of my goings-on. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of Good Curd.